welcome to a very special Pop Majors episode of Com Majors. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. I'm Timmy. And I'm Keenan. That's right. We are joined by our parent show or podcast, <laughs> if you will. Uh, for those who have listened for a long time to us at Com Majors, we know that we are a spinoff, much like the Jeffersons were a spinoff. Uh, or what are some other great spinoff shows? Uh, perfect uh, Strangers. Yeah, Perfect Strangers. Booker, a great spinoff <laughs> of Twenty One Jump yeah, Street. No, Family Matters was a was a spinoff of yes, Perfect Strangers, perfect not Strangers. the other way yes. around. But was yeah. but was Perfect Strangers? Were they on a show before? Yeah, Balky was on a totally other show. No, no, no I thought they were, I thought cousin Larry was on a show, <laughs> and then that's how they. Maybe. Otherwise, how did that guy get a network sitcom? Cousin <laughs> Larry. We're very excited to have Tim and Keenan here um, for what is the last on the Commager side of bonus episodes. We've been doing pandemic programming, uh, 10 weeks of bonus episodes. Uh, and we, I think, have come to the realization that 10 weeks of two episodes a week is about all we can survive with. So who better to have on than Tim and Keenan to round this out. It's also our 99th episode, and we'll be celebrating our 100th episode next week. Wayne Gretzky, baby. Woo. <laughs> so we are thrilled to have you guys here. Uh, we also are kind of like, who's the guy that uh, is directing the new Bond movie? Uh, Keenan will know because he loves Bond. Actually, I don't. True, true Detective, Carrie. Uh, oh, Fukujima. Fukujima. Is that we have we have daily conversations about the episodes that we're going to do and be on each other's show. And then it goes like months or years before we're actually right. on each other. <laughs> that guy's super interesting. He's been attached to so many projects that never well, like he was on fruition. He was on it forever. Yeah. Well, and he still he, produced he his, it. And he has a writing credit on it. I yeah. Think, yeah. It was his he helped rewrite the script. But like everyone was so excited because of what he did with True Detective, which yeah. is that ginormous tracking shot in that one in the first oh, season. It's like the whole almost the whole episode. Yeah. So we finally came together and we are going to be talking about the Alfred Hitchcock classic North by Northwest and also That's spinning correct. into the fact that we picked the film because it is one of the selection on the just released HBO Max. Right. Um, which Tim and Keen, yeah, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, but first we're going to do fact check. First of all, if you don't Wait, know what are we what, drinking? Oh, yes. yeah. What are we drinking this episode? What does everybody have? I'm having an old fashioned made from the battle cry whiskey that Brian bought me, which is Ooh, delicious. So and I also it's currently I, living in a in a stormtrooper head. My and decanter. I see. Is that the Death Star ice cube? Oh, as it well? is the Death Star ice cube. Yep. Thank <laughs> nice. you, Keenan, for my birthday. Keenan has provided great birthday gifts. Mm -hmm. He doesn't give you a Gareth action figure from last <laughs> Hey, if you don't want it, I'll take it. Yeah, well, Keenan loves the cod piece. I figured you already had it. I figured you might already have it. I'm surprised, even with Brian's Mount Rushmore background, that we can't see Gareth's crotch to yes poking <laughs> through actually, the uh, uh, his crotch the trees. George Washington's nose, I think. Actually. Yeah, at some point you're gonna you're gonna have to turn that off because I desperately need to see these. I, I love that part of the episode. <laughs> oh, it's it's it is uh, some. We'll do it at the end. I'll show you uh, off air the Gareth action figure Crunch. it is disturbing uh keenan <laughs> what do you have i am drinking stone shoka vesa which is oh, yeah. a imperial stout nice. inspired by mexican hot chocolate and Ooh, is it got a little spice my... to it yeah oh yeah 
It's yeah. got a nice little cinnamon taste, like spice. I love when we have a new beer introduced to the program. We've never had that one on. That sounds awesome. Tim, what do you have? I'm going super white girl again, and I have a, a Bond Vive yes. Black Cherry Spiked Seltzer. Oh, <laughs> very nice. I love it. Oh, good quick Spiked Seltzer story. I was, uh, we have a, a corner of our kitchen where we actually put like our like regular seltzer water. We go through a ton of like just regular, you know, polar seltzer or whatever we, we buy. And yeah, Keenan's probably got one. Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. And so like we'll just have the cases sitting there. Well, the other day, Katie bought herself a case of of claws, of white claw, and she put it there. And today I walk into the kitchen. I literally had my hand on a white claw about to pour it into a glass. And I'm like, what? This is new. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's not. That's oh, this not is alcoholic. Yeah. Oh, wait, I shouldn't yeah. be drinking this at yeah. my Zoom work meeting. Yeah. Well, actually, in one, another story, but yeah, that would be fine at work. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, I am drinking probably one of my favorite beers, uh, Shovel Town Twine Cutter. Mm-hmm. So. Which By I, the way, Jim, I, I thought you would have used this opportunity on this movie to do bourbon, not whiskey. Well, it, it's yeah, it's interesting. Pandemic, pandemic, or yeah, or a maybe. Gibson. I was going to make myself a Gibson, but I didn't have dry vermouth or pickled onions because oh, no. no one has pickled yes. onions. I know. <laughs> yeah. Many people have dr- dried vermouth. Just yeah, but also you don't home. want. I mean, come on. Pickled onions are delicious. Like pickled red onions, if you do them, like are delicious in something. But like, I can't like a cocktail now. Thank I you. should also add that Katie is unable to join us yeah. this week. She's doing work. She's listening along, but she's yes. doing work. She right is now. drinking a spike seltzer. Mm-hmm. So um, she she's like Tim right yeah. there. And Tim, we're going to need you to record a few. Uh, I wrote a few <laughs> lines of <laughs> just about dialogue to, say, to record for you. Is for she Katie. just listening just to hear Tim's As voice? That's, probably, that's what I was going to ask for her for her 40th birthday, which is coming up. I, I've recorded some things I'd like you to say for her. Um, I did want to put out the disclaimer that my voice is a little off today because of all of the ranting I've done in preparation for opening uh, the bar tomorrow. So it's like (laughs) not Tim is going back to the working world. Yes. Tim, um, you know, for comedy interesting, I feel like we talk about you guys on the show so much that even, you know, people who might not listen to every pop adult episode know you guys. But, you know, Tim works in a bar restaurant and he's he's transitioning back into the working world and Keenan, you're probably still, are you still a little bit delayed? I would imagine because the wedding yeah, things going on. My first wedding's uh, August 9th. And that's as of right now, still on the books. That's still going to happen at least for now. But yeah, they, they came out with the restrictions for the outdoor dining that there can be no entertainment. So there goes me working anything other than weddings. Well, yeah. even from the owner's standpoint, like our boss flat out said that there's no enter- we're not paying for any form of entertainment right. for the foreseeable future. Like it's just a cost yeah. that has to be cut. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine because you can't bring in any additional people exactly. other than the people. who are I mean, the, the dine, saving the hundred bucks for six hours of music is uh, really going to hurt. <laughs> but like the, the whole point of having Quizzo at a bar is to bring people in. So and it's like, yeah, 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 we ha- we're having Quizzo, but don't come. Don't right, come. Allowed to come. <laughs> right. Virtual um, Quizzo. So if so, just our fact check was HBO Max. Yeah, we're not going to talk about what it is because I still don't have a damn clue <laughs> what it is. But I felt a little bit better listening to Tim and Keenan. So if you want to have a full breakdown of what HBO Max really is, listen to one of their most recent episodes, which goes into a lot of great detail about that. 
for the rest of us, like me, it's just, you know, something that I was like uh, lucky enough to have an individual whose name I won't share because <laughs> I don't want them to get in trouble. Share a login with me to HBO Max uh, so that uh, I kind of know what the programming of that is. Uh, for our show, our last episode was E.T. Before we get in the episode, do you guys have any thoughts on E.T.? Are you E.T. fans? How do you feel about E.T.? It has been so long since I saw E.T. So, like, yes, but I'm, like, really afraid that if I watch it now, it might not have aged as well. I'll say that I have watched it within, like, the year or two, and it still absolutely holds up. Like, I get get choked up at the end. Mm -hmm. It's And, like, just even in the beginning when the kids are playing Dungeons and Dragons and Elliot's relationship with his older brother, like definitely reminds me of my relationship with my older brother. Um, It's just a heartwarming, just amazing movie. It's like, it didn't come to my mind when thinking about the quote unquote perfect movie. But now after rewatching it, I'm like, Mm. it might be in that conversation. (laughs) One of the things that we're always talking about perfect movies. Yeah. Yeah, um, If you think like it holds up, you know, Stranger Things owes most of what it is, I think, even though we talk about all the other movies that it kind of takes from, the vibe of Stranger Things is 100% E.T. to its core. So, like, oh, that's... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, if you, don't, if you think that held up, if that, if that style holds up for you, it's gonna... It's fine. Because the, okay. the performances are insanely good. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It's well, and also it was one of the better ones we've done uh, in terms of holding up uh, okay. ones that were, con- you know, ones that are considered maybe that that I hadn't seen in a long time. Ones that were more ch- films I saw as a kid and then kind of through my teen years and 20s and 30s hadn't rewatched. Some of those have fallen apart. That one I don't feel like fell apart. Very yeah, much. more recent Spielberg stuff falls apart way, way quicker <laughs> oh, yeah. than that. I do. I, I'm I trying to remember the last time I saw E.T. When did it get that uh, remastered in DVD when they added the walkie talkies? Oh, what yeah. year was that? That was the last time I watched it. That Well, that had to be a, that was one of those anniversaries. Right. Yeah. So that came. Yeah, what year was something. it? Eight, yeah. Something like that. So that's been a long time. You should right. revisit that, Keenan. I think you'd enjoy that. And yeah. Jim actually watched it on 4K, Keenan. I did. He's so hey. proud. Of All right. It. <laughs> it wasn't on physical media. It was, I purchased it. Fun. Yeah, it was. It was uh, physical media. My bit rate was fine, <laughs> Harrison. That that walkie-talkie uh, controversy, though. Like, I've I feel like I watched the walkie-talkie version when I was a kid. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I watched it with. Uh, I gotta be honest. Yeah, I have no idea what you guys are talking about with the walkie-talkie. Yeah, they had guns and they took them out and they turned them in the walkie. I didn't even think about it. Um, in the watching and it wasn't even until after we recorded the episode that somebody in the comment section on Facebook had made a reference to it. Uh. And that's how little I, I, to me, that's not like a who shot first star Wars thing. Like I feel like it's yeah. Right. Well, I didn't even remember it. So Tim, you might've, I I think it's maybe you saw it. Maybe you didn't. And the fact is it doesn't affect the viewing of the film. Correct. Most important thing. That was my point about it is like, who gives a shit? Walkie talkies or guns. I don't think it really made a difference. Yeah. Um, All right. It is time for the rundown. So usually, Katie does the rundown, 
But Keenan has volunteered. Well, didn't really volunteer. He <laughs> that he would do the rundown. So here is the rundown with Keenan. So I hope I don't dishonor Katie. I did not make it rhyme, though. So I'm sorry. I'm not that clever. Uh, here we go. Cary Grant plays Roger Thornhill, a true madman who is confused for Special Agent George Kaplan by the ruthless smuggler Philip Van Dam. Thornhill, framed for murder, must figure out who Kaplan is, what Van Dam wants, and who is the beautiful seductress Eve Kendall. Hitchcock takes us on a ride through the streets of New York, cornfields of Indiana, to the top of Mount Rushmore as Cary Grant plays the American James Bond. As Shakespeare said in Hamlet, I am mad north by northwest. When the wind is southerly, I know the difference between a hawk and a handsaw. Which is, of course, the Shakespeare quote that Hitchcock got the title from. There were more character names in your rundown than 99 episodes of rundowns. Well, we haven't done that. <laughs> Katie usually says the guy yeah. or the thing. Yeah. <laughs> or John or John McCain or, or, or Ralph Macchio when Ralph, we did yeah Caddy she called Shack. the uh, the Italian um, guy Ralph Macchio Caddy but she knew Ralph her she, she knew, knew that she it was just, not Ralph yeah. um, usually I have to follow up the rundown with an actual breakdown of the plot um, <laughs> this week I don't feel I have to so I feel like we can jump right into this um, why the film was chosen uh a, we were looking for an HBO Max film. You know, they, they've, you know, something that we could talk about, maybe HBO Max a little bit in terms of their choices and things like that. And one of the features, which I think is unique to give HBO Max like a kind of a thumbs up here, is their integration of Turner Classic movies. Yeah. Which is something that if you're a fan of older Hollywood films, is very lacking by and large on most of the other, what I would deem to be major streaming sites, Amazon prime. Occasionally you'll get a Hitchcock film or some older ones. Netflix category has been pretty much consistently decreasing in their use of ancient Hollywood or older Hollywood film, golden era, Hollywood films for a long time, Hulu, not so much. So unless you're a, a criterion channel subscriber, or someone who is willing to have cable and subscribe to Turner Classic Movies, you don't have outlets for these films. And HBO Max is providing content in that respect. And one that jumped out when I was surprised was North by Northwest. And I was surprised that I was the only one who had actually seen it of the four of us. Um, so it seemed like an yeah. ideal film for us to visit. And as you watch it and you think about it, I think it ties into a lot of films that we like in a present day sense. So I think we'll be able to draw to some of that type of thing. If I can just add something really quickly about HBO Max. Yes. Uh, Tim and I were just talking about this today earlier about the Turner Classic Movies. The, one of the things we talk on the podcast is white whale movies. These are, these are the movies that you... Always have wanted to see, never got around to like North by Northwest or Citizen Kane for Tim. That yes. was one year white whales. This that's what Turner Classic Movie is. It, it should be just called the White Whale Channel. It's where you can find all these movies you've wanted to or heard so much about, and now you can actually watch them. I think too many people I, wouldn't get the Moby Dick reference, so that was it. Would, it would <laughs> but I like it. You guys talk about it all the time. But one of the other things, and I actually went through as soon as I got it, making note of all the movies like that that I want to go back and revisit. They have Seven Samurai 
on there. They had there's a bunch of those types of movies that you get with Turner Classic. I used to love Turner Classic. I like Tim and uh, he talks about it a lot. We joke, but Tim and I both still have like hardline cable and I have I'm a big Comcast guy. I love Comcast. I know a lot of people don't love Comcast. I like Comcast. But recently they took Turner Classic movies away as used to just be part of the regular package. Mm-hmm. And they rolled it into part of a, a pay package. And it just wasn't something I could do. And I lost that, which kind of bummed me out because I was a pretty avid Turner Classic movie person. So to have that back is big because there are, like Keenan's saying, there are a ton of these movies and North by Northwest is one of them. If you love filmmaking, yeah, they're a little bit dated, certainly because they're shot back in the late 50s or the 60s. But you start to see where filmmakers that we watch today were inspired to make movies, you know, and, and you, if you read directors or if you ever listen to directors commentary on films, they'll talk about, I watched this Hitchcock movie, or I watched this, uh, you know, Orson Welles movie and Turner classic movies. You're able to go watch it. And then you're like, Oh my God, that is, that's the, and we talked about this with our ET episode a little bit, you know, this is where a lot of, other films were inspired. And yeah, I think that's uh, why these are a kick to watch to me. Like in, in one thing I appreciated about not only watching a movie that I'd never seen before, but we specifically wanted to do an HBO max movie. And like in the process of us, like uh, texting back and forth, trying to narrow down what we wanted to do. I realized how many of these movies are on there. And I was like, all right, well maybe, maybe HBO max isn't as like the, what the fuck is this? As I thought, like may, maybe right. it has a lot more to offer than I had realized at first. Well, we've talked to you guys talked about this a lot on the show and Jim and I've talked about it before. I think part of the issue with any of these streaming sites is there's sometimes too much content mm. and maybe too much content to just get down to what you actually want to watch. Right. Like trying to figure out, what I like to me again, like you guys talked about on the show and I thought it was a great job. They, they have like these hubs and I was drawn to the hub and I like that. And Disney plus does that. And as well, it, it allows you to cut through some of it. I find myself and I think Netflix should be concerned about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for me at times to find the stuff I want to find on Netflix. I feel like there's so much other stuff going on where this, I was able to go, Oh, Turner classic movies. I'm there. Oh, wait, North by Northwest, all the other options. Now I'm not wasting 15 to 20 minutes trying to figure out what I want to watch. I'm just clicking on it. I click on it. I watch it. And I love that. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know that. I don't think anyone needs to be like nervous. That's that's sort of. I think who's really nervous about this and maybe I think the smartest thing Comcast did was get those individual sports hubs so that they have Comcast Sportsnet for Philly. They have ones for New York they, because well, yeah, they the are Boston the ones one that should be huge. Yeah. The, the, the cable companies, not specifically Comcast, the ones who aren't delivering content um, over the web as much are the ones that should be worried about this because people aren't, people are less likely, I think to, to say like, well, do I get Netflix or do I get HBO max? It's like, do I cut my cable bill completely down to nothing and then subscribe to five or six of these other things because the cable bills are insane. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the choice. It's not like I'm getting cable and then on top of that, I'm doing this, this, and this. I think the, the first thing to, that people are going to start to, and it's already happened, 
like two two of us don't have cable two of us do <laughs> so like right. the choice that me and keenan made was that we'd rather not spend the money on cable and subscribe to m maybe more services yes which is a fair which is fair yeah like, like I, but I, I but i don't know if tim tim probably has access to this as well and it's also like you're getting things they're trying to throw things in the queue. right right so no. for example tim probably got this too i would imagine but i don't know being outside a major city i already have access to the comcast equivalent of hbo max for free mm -hmm, the peacock mm -hmm. and we've actually We've been using it a lot. In fact, I oddly, I was looking for Vertigo because I wanted to watch a few minutes of Vertigo today while I was, you know, I had a few minutes of free time and it was there. And that's like, so you're right, Jim. They need to figure out how they can do it to keep people. For me, it just works now because of a lot of the programming I like to watch is still tied into it or that Eileen likes to watch is still tied into it. And maybe I'm my loyalty to Comcast and I know people, a lot of people hate Comcast. They've always been good to me when I've called yeah. about things and service and stuff like that. So I'm still willing Wait, to Comcast? work. <laughs> yeah. I've, this is going to sound weird. I think probably to a lot of people, but in 12 years, I've not had a negative experience with Comcast. Mm. And I, I know there's people probably screaming at the thing right now, but I've had always good. Ex they've always been very good to me when I've done things and that maybe at some point that won't be the case, but for now it's, yeah. it's been right. good. Yeah. I was, I was this close to canceling cable because my main reason for being on it is for sports and there's no sports right now. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like probably by mid to late July, it looks like the leagues are going to attempt to come back. So I feel like now would be the wrong time to cancel yeah. it. See, it was just like, I, I had to prioritize things during quarantine and like my cable bill was kind of at the bottom of the list. What's, what's interesting about that now is that I can get, I can get every, every sport thing I want by just upping my bill from um, Hulu from like 12 bucks a month or whatever I pay to mm. 40 bucks a month. And so like, I'll do that for the Philly season. Yes, if they were playing. And that makes sense. And then I just yeah. stop at the end of the season. I bring it yeah. back down. And it's like that kind of like ad hoc, like changing of like my subscription is where like cable becomes a problem for me. Yeah. And of I course, you so. can always go in with a friend. Like if, if mm -hmm. like Tim wanted to, if you yeah, and that is against terms of service. <laughs> so we're we're not going to begin to talk about some of us grow up at some habits. point and realize that like we should some pay us, for the shit. Yes. That we, I'm not even going to get into that. Use. Well, I'm not going to complain because again, yeah. I'm not paying for HBO max. So I'm not going right. to. All right. We got our, what's we got all our streaming talk out of also, the way, which you I think download free shit from the internet. <laughs> well, I didn't say that. Wow. Um, so let's get into the movie now, but it was good. Cause I wanted to talk about that. Cause I think it's Have all heard about, about Napster. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe um, to my myspace page <laughs> so so north by northwest i've seen it i own it i'm a big north by northwest fan. in honor of our guests should we do should we do thumbs thumbs all right tim and keenan okay. always do thumbs um so let's go have around. no meaning <laughs> that's fine they have no meaning uh so why don't we start with you guys because you're the thumbs experts and then the thumbs novice will tune in here uh tim what are your thumbs on north by northwest two thumbs up i 
just described it to my wife, Kat. My only small nitpick is that it seems a little long. And I think the only reason it seems a little long is because there's these action sequences that were probably cool at the time. And now looking at them, they're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. But still overall, like uh, who's the lead guy? Cary Grant, is it? Mm He's yes. he's fan, he's yeah. fantastic. Uh, just all the roles are played great. The plot is great. It's like intriguing the entire time. It keeps me interested. And Hitchcock, like, there's so many things he does with like a long establishing shot. Now let's move in and like work around this like thing we just established. Yeah. And there's all yeah. sorts of interesting shots he does. And yeah, just two thumbs up. Keenan, uh, I'm gonna say the same exact thing. Two thumbs up. Love this movie. And that's it. All right. <laughs> All right. Good job, Frozen Face. Uh, Jim, what what do you think? I am definitely one thumb. Um, I'm a huge fan of Hitchcock. Oh, Keenan, he caught up finally. One thumb way up, one kind of to the side, but I think that's more of just my personal preference as far as my like trouble dealing with films probably prior to like the mid 60s, which is like, the acting style of non like method acting is Diff- very different. It's very different and right. it's very fake. It's completely made up. It's not real life. It's and, and that's fine. I, I don't know. I love a lot of what Tim said, like the shots. So, so much of this is beautiful. Like the, the really high shots where you're, you're looking at it and you're like, is that a painting? Like how, oh, that, what yeah, is that going is on? And, awesome. um, you know, the there's some weird stuff in this movie character wise and stuff like oh, that, yeah. that I don't. And I, that those are the kinds of things that I usually harp on. So, um, but like the relationship with his mother just, yep. is so freaking yeah, that was weird. It doesn't make any much sense and never really has or the fact that she's like 10 like, years older. Yeah. I, I was <laughs> like, is, that woman is like five years older than well, him. there is a story about that. So okay, I, I can share, like I can share hear, some stuff with I'd that. like to hear that. Um, I am two thumbs up yeah. and an additional thumb up for Cary Grant's suit, which is perhaps oh, the greatest yeah. male wardrobe in but any You film know what's funny? Is that I told Katie that and she's like, no, I don't get it. I don't, the suit's okay. I don't know. People and then, swear by I know. That. And I think it looks great. And then yeah. she he goes to the closet in the one scene and she's like, no, it's going to be this suit is the one that they're talking about. And then it's like too short. And I'm like, it's not that suit, Katie. <laughs> it's the great, the great suit. suit. And uh, so Tim and Keenan have been doing this recap uh, of all the Mission Impossible movies. So I'm going to drop a little Mission Impossible uh, trivia here for you guys for an upcoming okay. episode. Um, Tom Cruise loves this movie and has used it for an inspiration for a lot of the Mission Impossible series mm. that we'll talk about throughout this but he had an exact replica of this suit made for the opening of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Minus 62 part, inches in the legs. The part where he's hanging, yes. the, part, <laughs> the part where he, yes, the part where he hangs on to the airplane at the beginning of the film. It's an ah. exact replica of the Cary Grant suit from this movie. Yeah. No, they, they had to affix the waist, though. Well, yes, I don't think yeah, yeah. it's So apparently, yeah, I was Grant reading about that. Waist. The waistline that he has... It, is weird right but it's not even um for the time it's even weird apparently yes. he he wanted it like that because it was very similar to like his gymnastics clothes he used to wear or something he was like a gym he was very into suits yeah. Cary grant that was like one of his big weird things yeah apparently james he... mason was like who tailored that suit 
Like J- yeah. James Mason was like, the fuck you. I'm getting a good suit. Yeah, he got <laughs> all those things. So this movie is really intriguing to me in the sense that you have to be in a certain mindset to watch films that have come out so long before any of us were even born. Right. And actually, Keenan, I thought, did an unbelievable job in one of the recent pop adult episodes talking about this idea. I thought you did one of the best jobs of kind of explaining it when you were talking about, um, oh God, I'm going to leave it now with the Paul Simon or the um don't call me out. The sting. Please. The sting. Uh, you were talking oh, about the sting. sting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You Where can call you, me out. There's certain you certain certain things you have to. I am the war. Like, realize. No, you have to realize you're watching an older film, but then you also realize like its impact on film. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, when you watch this film is you start to realize that there were a ton of people who would go watch Hitchcock films anyway. But this one in particular that was slightly different. You know, the, the mm-hmm. Hitchcock film prior to this was Vertigo. And the Hitchcock film after this was Psycho. And mm. this was kind of a changing element. Some people have referred to it as like a change in Hitchcock because he's, you know, he got a big budget for this movie. Um, some of the set pieces were things he always wanted to do. And he himself kind of alluded to the fact that when he made this film, he felt he had done everything he wanted to do and he wanted to reinvent himself. But you can see its influence on, I think, what we view as summer blockbuster movies now. Yes. You you know, um, certainly the action sequences, as Tim pointed out, are not to the level. Well, uh, I did want to talk about today because for for some and you know what's funny is I watched this and I actually ended up I think liking Vertigo more by the end of the, of watching this film. And it's not liking it more than this film or just having a greater appreciation for Vertigo than you used to have. Both, I think. Okay. Okay. And I think it's because this film like I had the same problem with um the, it's my little nitpick about LA Confidential. They dumbed down part of this movie right in the middle when they have the exposition of those people at the table explaining yeah, what's yeah. going on. That does not need to be in this movie. It is for people that cannot follow the plot. And so, like, you could have had a little bit of exposition when the professor sort of enters the movie or had him in the background. But, like, that scene just kind of ruined all the intrigue. Whereas for me, like, Vertigo, I'm, like, intrigued the entire movie, like, sort of what's going on here and this i was like i kind of knew where it was going and maybe you know you as old as this film is i think it's 100 percent intentional yeah, yeah yeah but i i think that's probably why i have a problem with it is that like right. i i was still interested but i was sort of like okay now he knows that 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 she's the agent he's gonna get caught yeah i was just yeah. like okay um again a little nitpick but Definitely made me think about like how intrigued I was with Vertigo all the way till the end. Compared to this, I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. Um, yeah, when you when you guys did Vertigo, I was I was a little I was a little upset about how you guys didn't like it as much. I that is I love that movie, um, but I think one of the reasons that I love that movie is that I I watched it in high school first. Uh, we were it was shown in humanities class and. Our teacher really did like you had break a shitty down teacher. things. 
Yeah, no, seriously. But... What the? F- I mean, I, I I don't know. Shitty or cool? Like I I don't know if like that's and the movie you should be showing both, like a you fifteen can be year old. Both. You can be yeah. shitty and cool. <laughs> and yeah. then they listen to "We Didn't Start the Fire." I <laughs> had to uh, break down every line in the song. But uh, but one, one of the great my things, humanities class, we did actually do that. I, sure <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, no. One of the great things was my teacher was like one of the first people to really explain like you need to be in a certain mood to watch it, but also like broke down like, hey, you know, you're gonna watch this and you're gonna think the whole time like, why, why is it going so slow? And you got to realize that things did just move at a slower pace, so you have to appreciate it. And since we did watch it in segments, like we broke down everything. Right. But that's not so true. There was another. So like life did not move at a slower pace. Right. Pace Movies is just did. <laughs> that's perspective. And and like the pace of life has always seemed fast to everybody in the moment. Right. So like I Jim, I agree with you. And I'm only going to say this. I have watched in an embarrassingly large number of movies this year as we have highlighted on the show. In fact, my wife does not allow me to tell people how many it is. So I just do it on this podcast because she doesn't ever listen to it. So she doesn't know I tell people. Uh, And a lot of what I've been watching is like older movies, you know, not just Hitchcock and Keenan's right for whatever reason. And you're absolutely right. Life didn't move that slow at that time period. There are a lot of sequences in these older movies that the pacing is slower. And I don't quite get what was, why it is. So can like, we talk about it one? Is, it's very, yeah, talk about it. Because yeah, I find it really weird. Like, and it's a critique. It's almost like when I watch one of these movies, I have to change my perspective because if somebody did it in a modern movie, it would drive me insane. And I have to remind myself, that it was made during this time period. Yeah, there's one scene in particular for me that puts this time period on blast as far as like basically not, I don't want to say ruining this movie for me, but it's the only reason that I got on the path of like moving one thumb down, which is the drunk driving sequence. It's fucking yeah. long. <laughs> it, the acting it's is terrible. Long. The acting is terrible. Like, and for someone who is as like, like detail oriented as Hitchcock to let that scene go on in the ridiculous way that Cary Grant was acting drunk. I just, I don't get it. Like it didn't, it didn't make any sense. And that, that moment kind of put me on this path of like, I don't, I kind of want to look at all the other pieces of this movie that are ridiculous. I I have two things about, this like specifically to that scene why when he slams on the brakes to like not run over the guy on the bike the cop car then slams into him why was there a car right behind the cop car to slam into the cop car where the fuck did that guy come from well, that made no first, sense like, at first when i saw cop. that yeah <laughs> when i saw that i thought it was them following but then all the of a sudden bad guys yeah stop and turn around sense. i'm like wait <laughs> Yes. That made absolutely no yeah, sense. It made no sense. And I <laughs> I often wonder, and there's weird things. Also, that movies. was the California coast versus oh, Long course, Island, right. which that was so weird. <laughs> I've never, I've been to Glen Cove. Let me tell you, that's not Glen Cove. I can yeah. tell you that right now. Um, <laughs> but there are weird things. But they were in New York. Like, like I, don't... I know. I know. I don't. Listen, the, the choices, well, just even sometimes the choices where they choose to do clearly matted, painted backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, oh, are the- weird. And I'm I, I guess this is right or wrong. I'm willing 
and maybe this isn't right. I think I'm more forgiving in some ways when I watch these older films than I would be if it were a modern film with certain things of that. But the the, the drunk driving scene has always been an issue for me. I, I, I don't like it's I get this film in itself is a little different from Hitchcock because he, when he talked about how he made it, he was like, I just want to evoke emotions. Like I want people to laugh at some point. I, I just don't find that funny. Maybe that sequence, like the drunk driving sequence and the, and maybe the special effects were good for that time period. But for us today, that is a very long, well, the you acting wasn't good for many, any time period. No. And, but I, but you could, but that looks familiar. I've seen that Cary Grant in particular, if you ever see to catch a thief, which I would recommend as well. This kind of hammy, over-the-top, fake, drunk acting was fairly common for this time period. I I don't know why that is. Having not seen the movie, and based on like what Hitchcock was telling us about the character, um, one, he drinks a lot. Mm. His mom hates it. Um, Right. And that he hadn't had a drink leading up there because he was just about to order his drink When he got taken out, what I thought was going to happen, honestly, was that they were going to pour a a pint of bourbon into him and he was going to be mildly okay and just like drive away. And that was going to be how this like chase starts. Yeah. How they got forward. So like, what the, what the fuck was he setting up with? Is it just the fact that he wasn't dead from drinking that much alcohol? No, I think, no, I do think that's what it is. I think the expectation was that. If you notice, they put him in the car and he's drunk and they're pushing him towards the side that he would be so drunk that he wouldn't be able to right himself and he would just drive over the cliff and that would be it. Mm. Right. But I again, that could have been dealt with in. Yeah, it was just a a, a a mess of a scene. Yeah, a more efficient, which is funny because I think. I think in some respects, this film is better than films from that time period. Not necessarily Hitchcock films, but films from that time period and cutting out some stuff. This for back then, this is a fairly long movie. You know, if you got a great one, if you want to watch a Hitchcock film, that's I believe it's on Prime right now is 39 Steps, uh, which is another man on the run. You know, that's 88 minutes. That's what that's on was, HBO Max as well. Is it? Yeah, that's one I would if you like North by Northwest, it is it's even older. So you do have to get yourself in that mindset. But that's another fun one. Um, go with Marathon Man. Skip all this and go to Marathon oh. Man. Well, Marathon Man is a more method acting version yeah, of. It. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, an interesting thing about it is. Hitchcock, in a sense, was fighting against method acting, you know, as the time that, you know, Marlon Brando was rising to power with his that form of acting is when this is coming out. And this is a very different style to that. And there was a clash in Hollywood over which style was going to win during this time period. So I, I have so much more to say about like towards the beginning of this movie, but I want to get back to that, like um, pacing of movies and i think like the closer you are to like the mid 50s and obviously the 40s like you're still seeing movies as theater right. in in the movie theater like you're not they haven't moved to like this different more commercial popcorny blockbustery movie style and that and that's what i think you're talking about with pacing like like the scene on the train when he and our woman are just like embracing and slowly kissing it's like that's something you would see on a stage until you know? the end well i don't want to jump all the way to the end of the movie but that end of the movie is like bang, 
Frank Dunn. <laughs> Frank yeah. Dunn. I was like, what, what happened? And that took you, you that took you right until like five seconds to the end of the movie. I was like, it, wow, they really I know, like, that, squeezed the every is, the ending's very interesting. I, Tim, that's the best way I think to put it. Like yeah. even the cinematography, and Jim, you hit on it. One of the things that sometimes I try to put myself in the mindset of somebody who would be sitting in a theater at this time period because home video and all this stuff didn't exist. Yeah. So you only got to see these movies on the big screen. You went and saw it. Those shots like when he's walking into the U.N. from above or the sequence where he gets out at that. We'll, we'll talk about the crop duster sequence and they have that <laughs> high shot above. Like those are things that must have been like to people in 1959 when this came out, they must have been like, this is so different than these staged yep. theatrical right. play type sets that we get. But you can and, also understand that that's why their their pacing was like that, because that, that yeah. was the form of entertainment at the time. And it's like they didn't quite understand how to, like, push the technology yet, push the, like, you know, technology of a camera yet, you know. Right. And, but, but that's why I love this movie so much is that it still has the feel of a theater production. But when you get those shots, like, for instance, early on when the kidnappers take um, our main character, when they first show him that, like, little quick zoom to those two characters was like awesome phenomenal it was like it's awesome. right it's spielberg jaws yes. like immediately yeah. right well people feel that you know a lot of people from a hitchcock perspective if you talk to people who love hitchcock will say the one thing about this movie there's a lot of arguments some people like vertigo some people like psycho whatever they feel very confident that this might be from a cinematic perspective uh, his most beautifully shot film in terms of because he had a budget, you know, he, he spent three million dollars, which is basically how much Zack Snyder spends for his oh, porta potty that he uses on set. Uh, his, his personal uh, stroke off fest. Yeah, oh, God. But, um, but for Hollywood back then, that's a lot of money. So he had the ability to get cranes in to do things. Most movies were very streamlined back then. So, so you mm. got the, the the canned sets, you know, where the camera can't move. We're going to do this sequence and this shot. And, and this, he got to play around a little bit with actually using outdoor scenery. And, you know, uh, as we get to the end, when they get to Mount Rushmore, he actually brought, he goes, I can't film this outside. They won't let me do it. So he took real trees and planted them in the ground at the studio and brought soil in so he could do it. And it was fun for him, a guy who had made all these amazing movies with no money to like play around with yeah. a budget all right yeah like yeah. Ba back towards the beginning though like <clears throat> to to give him the the uh drunken you know stupor that he's in yeah. they flat out pour him a pint of bourbon <laughs> i don't care how much of an alcoholic you are if you drink that at once you're going to die yeah. <laughs> you're going to throw up he was, and you might die yeah. is that a challenge for keenan keenan he was no. now before the end of the podcast <laughs> katie Show said a pint of a pint of, they gave him like a pint of bourbon and i was like yeah it was like eight ounces and then <laughs> and then later on they actually he actually said actually say it, a right? pint of yes. bourbon and i was like oh it comes in pints i'm getting one <laughs> <laughs> did you hear how much he had to pay time. for drunk driving no oh, two dollars two dollars i was actually i gotta be honest with you guys i was surprised that was a crime back then i didn't even know you yeah, got you could kill anybody i thought you yeah, could just yeah, kill yeah, people you could do well. anything back then um so i want to share a story about 
his casting in this. Yeah. Mm. The, the original, a couple of stories here. First, let's do the mom because we already brought this up. Yeah, right. The, the mother <laughs> was clearly that was an odd casting, but that was somebody who um, um, Hitchcock liked working with. Why? She was also the mother in To Catch a Thief. Great why was, Why is the mother in this movie? Now, let me explain mm -hmm. that. This is actually I always felt the same thing about it, and it never made any sense to me until I was listening to the Empire podcast when they had Chris McQuarrie on uh -huh. and he was talking about screenwriting. And he said that that sequence in particular, like, I guess it was, you know, Tom Cruise and he watched it or something and, and Chris McQuarrie picked it up. He goes, it was really interesting because if you notice that character, that character disappears once she served her purpose. Like she serves her purpose to set him off on this run. And it, and it may's like screenwriters and screenwriters have gone on to do this. What do you there mean? Is, I don't know what you're talking but, about. But it's like if you notice what she is, it gets him to the point where he needs the mom, I guess, kind of to get him back to the hotel and they go and there's some humor there and things like that. She, but Chris she does McQuarrie, pick him up from the police station. Yeah. But Chris McQuarrie was saying like what it taught him about writing those type of movies. And what I say about those type of movies is like your bomb movies, your things like that is sometimes people are willing to. In a movie like this, just say that character disappeared and they don't even think about it again. <laughs> That's if you fine. analyze it and talk about That's it, not it is, really exactly what I'm like talking about, though, just served it. No, but I'm just saying why it was written. It was just supposed to serve a plot point. But, but then but, why was this crazy? So like the other so again, it's it's just to me, it's just a eh, nice cat. It's yeah. a jellical cat. <laughs> um, to me, is that a jellical? It is. Is uh, that a jellical cat? It's sloppy writing because they've already written a character that could have served that purpose, which right. is the assistant. So, like, exactly, that's what, what I was right. going to bring so up. So, like, to have the mom, the expectation, especially because of all the time they spend on developing this weird relationship between the two of them. That something else will happen. It's yeah, but like, do you think? But I, I found this before watching movies from back then. Do you think that's that? I feel like that's how they used to do character development. And for right or wrong, I completely agree with you. It's an odd character, the way they did it, all that type of stuff. Yeah. But they were trying to set him up as this cad, right? He's he's had multiple marriages. He has this odd relationship with his mother, and like that was the type of thing going back to what Tim said about like stage. I could, mm. I, I see that as more of like a yeah. Broadway show. We're going to have the zany mother in it. She had, she had played that role in to catch a thief and it's just going to do that on a modern context. I don't see it holding up. Well, you're bound to have a well. weird relationship with your mother. If she's only five years older than you. Well, that is Tat. a whole other thing. Well, but that and, and goes into the whole casting of this. In well, terms he was of what, ages, 55 is, or something? Yes. And I couldn't and tell born, halfway through this movie how old he's supposed to be playing at all. Well, that's the thing. They, it's interesting because they actually had him playing five years or excuse me, five to ten years younger than he was. But they and, didn't make him look five to ten years younger at no, all. No. Nope. And, and they had his her, hair was gray. They actually had her playing. 10, 10 years, years younger. younger than she was. Right. Uh, Eva, uh, uh, yeah, Eva she was 35. She was, that she made was no sense. At this point. So, like, why? I mean, so why, I agree again, it's speaking agree. to the times of, like, what men Agreed. thought of women, which, again, dates this movie. But, like, if she was 35, he clearly would not have been interested in her. 
I know, well, which yeah. is creepy on so many levels, which yeah. is, again, one of those things you have to take into account when you watch this movie. So I, Jesse I Landis, sorry. I'm, I'm going to say Jesse Landis was born 1896. Uh, Cary Grant shit. was born 1904. Yeah. 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 Okay, so no... It was 55. But like, I haven't seen Vertigo, but I've seen Psycho, this movie. And I feel like this dynamic of what Brian's talking about with like the age of our main character and this other like just ancillary, almost irrelevant character was uh, the his like uh, caretaker in uh, Rear Window. The woman right. just comes over to basically like, right. I don't know check on his cast and like give him a massage and like fuck off but she like gives so much exposition (laughs) in that time (laughs) that it's like why is she here (laughs) but the weird relationship in vertigo is done so much better i listen i with what's her name what's the woman's name keenan in vertigo that's like his kim novak kim Kim novak Novak. yeah thank you no 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 no, not her the the friend oh oh god i was watching this earlier the friend who has the bra designer yeah Oh, that whole relationship is wild. But 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 it's done so much better because it it's friendly and it seems like there could be a relationship between them. But he's not as interested in her as she is in him. That makes sense to me. And they're age appropriate. You're talking about Midge. Midge. Midge, Yes. Yes. Midge. Yes. You know what I find interesting, and this is like when you delve into it's like because we did Spielberg recently. When you have these directors that have so many films, you start to look at them. Yeah, I think Vertigo, which I enjoyed but didn't love. And I think I need to watch. I I just need to delve into it a little bit more. There's more that's unique about Vertigo. There's Mm -hmm. more that's unique, I would say, about Psycho as well. There's something that is just an easier rewatch of this movie in the sense that, like, if you just wanted to put a Hitchcock movie on and I and I wanted to kind of like talk about that and maybe some of the sequences that are memorable about this that I feel like this establishes this thing that we've talked about and I always love when Tim talks about this like working in an industry where you get home really late and there's movies that you just put on I feel like this is a might be right. the Hitchcock movie if you're a Hitchcock person you can just throw on and fall asleep to it yeah mm. Which is in that doesn't mean it's better or worse. Like if you wanted to rank Hitchcock movies, which I'm not really interested in, I feel like this might be one of his most accessible and his easiest watches, not his most influential, not his most intriguing or interesting. But I feel like you could put this on and there's certain sequences that we can talk about and you're just be like, damn, this is on. I can watch. I'm, I'm going to sit here for 15 minutes and watch this this part of this movie now. Yeah, I think the terminology I, I keep coming to is like consumable or easily consumed, yeah. you know, or it, it, it's just, there's not too much craziness or uh, really deep thinking you need to do when watching this movie. It's the comfort movie. Yeah, comfort movie. Before, yeah. I almost feel like this is a comfort movie before comfort movies existed. Right. All right, just to move us along a little bit, if you were going to pick the most difficult way to kill a man, would it be to hit him with a plane? <laughs> I would, but I find it really intriguing. Well, it was weird the way that that is one. Uh, well, can I t- well, can what? I just quickly just say one thing? Do you know what Hitchcock really wanted to do? And you'll think it's less crazy to use a plane. He originally intended to use a tornado. He wanted to have them control the weather somehow to kill 
him. So that conspiracy theory is out there that like the government can somehow control yes. the weather. So I'll take the plane over that. But yeah, I I had I just want to say and then Tim go into what you were saying. I have obviously seen this film. So I knew what this sequence is about. This might be visually one of the most iconic yeah. sequences. In Absolutely. Film. How did this sequence, the, the plane sequence, hold up for each of you, which I'm sure will tell us. Did all of you know that you probably all knew that that imagery was coming? How did, what did you think of that scene with the crop? I thought I thought it was fantastically shot. I just thought that the reveal at the like the last second that this biplane, a crop duster is, you know, set up with machine guns like like he didn't open fire until he was right. like already over him. Right. No, the second time. The first yeah, okay, time, yeah. he literally tries to hit him with the plane. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> which, which I love. If you're a pilot, you got to think is pretty much the only way you can die right now is if you try to get that close <laughs> to the ground. And so, like, that's the stuff I struggle with. It's like, if we take film as a medium for storytelling and to talk about, like, things like that, like... I have such a hard time with decisions like this. To me, this is the equivalent of like an Eddie Van Halen guitar solo, which is like, fuck this song. I'm going to masturbate yes. right now. I, I, I think I agree <laughs> with that. To be fair, Jean Renault tried to hit Tom Cruise with a helicopter in a train tunnel. And that's and my least Oslo. favorite part of that and movie. I am still all in on that sequence. That is my least favorite I, part of that movie. I am still all in on that sequence. I, I have somewhat of a, of a theory of the mentality maybe behind the pilot, which could be maybe nope. they were trying to... If they, you know, if the they pilot doesn't even shoot exist. Him, if, if he was on the street and they shot him from a plane, you know, the bus that apparently drives by every five minutes yes. would have seen the body and been like, hey, why is he all shot up? So the, the plane was trying to chase him into the field where they could shoot him in the field so that his body might not be discovered as quickly and as easy. I had they a did, theory Keenan, that it was that, that, that it was does that work? That it no, it's uh, Dr. Henry Jones, senior. Yeah. Who we know from watching. <laughs> I Indiana suddenly Jones remembered my Crusade Charlemagne is a horrible <laughs> shot in a biplane Let's... that he was actually the gunner. Oh, I thought you were going the other way where he takes down the biplane from the beach. <laughs> I know, but he's just such a bad gunner. <laughs> Let yeah, my armies be play. the rocks on the well, ground and the birds. Two, two the things, Keenan. I think they got me. <laughs> Keenan, he did arrive on a Greyhound. The bus that then picked up that dude across the street was definitely like more of a local bus. Oh, going okay. the other so, way. Impressive. Right. And impressive. That's yeah. amazing. I, I will okay. give that a pass. But as far as the, the plane goes, like they did, once again, Hitchcock, like very detailed, he has this long establishing shot for numerous seconds yeah. to show you how desolate this place is. Yes. Like right. even the crops that are around, they look dead to me. Like it looks like you can't hide anywhere. So that that's what's a little frustrating about it is like, <laughs> like they, they then established the plane and he's a crop duster. So I'm like, all right, well, he's just going to like crop dust. He's just going to drop some like poison cloud on our main character. Yeah. But then to open up with the guns, I'm like, this should be easy. <laughs> Why is this so difficult? But again, like that doesn't happen till his second run. So after the first time he tries to hit him with the plane and not fire the guns, which is clearly his best chance at killing this guy, <laughs> is the first time you attack him. Yep. Like, Keenan, to your point, the guy who got who was taking the bus had a better chance of killing this man than the guy in the plane. <laughs> 
I can't makes, think of a harder way I'm just trying to kill to this guy. Out a way to of all the it. things that are available in, in that in that setting, the hardest way to kill him yeah. is from the plane. But <laughs> it looks fucking cool. It does, that, and that, that is hubris. Is so That's hubris yeah, that and bad also, filmmaking. But that is also what films become. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to look at certain films like like it or dislike it. Yeah, but I, this I, is an I, AFI top 100 and the movies mm -hmm. you're talking about are garbage. Well, then we can have the argument of that. Well, wait, what movies is he talking about? Well, well, I'm I'm, I'm not talking about it, but I, I'm I'm thinking that to me, there is a there is a through line to some good films, certainly a lot of good films, but also certainly a lot of bad films that became concerned with the set piece Dude, like this is borderline like dr evil level dumb yeah but i <laughs> like but that's I, what i'm talking about like what other movies have we watched recently where i have someone has tried to room. kill someone in such a convoluted <laughs> I, dumb I, way without uh, reason no but I, I i'm not arguing with it with you about that piece i'm just saying i think for the time of the experience to see the sequence and what was happening yeah, logically, it makes no sense at all. But I think there's also a lot of movies that we watch today that do that. And I think they're doing a better job recently. But I think there's a lot of movies throughout the history of Hollywood, especially when CGI was at its newest level, yeah. where when we go back and look at it, we're like the idea of the spectacle became more than anything. Mm -hmm. And right. part of the problem is, is menace. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, but you know what? And you, I know we've all talked about this before. We have to remember that we get to watch these things on TV, at home, etc. Like, what if it you had only seen North by Northwest once in a theater? Right. Had to go back and see it again and again on the screen, where you were just going to see it for the spectacle of it. That is where I think you're willing to detach from reality slightly and i agree jim it's ridiculous but i feel like the first time you might see it if you were looking at it and nothing like that had been done in film before you might be sitting there and being like oh my god like i've never even thought of something like well, this before. I, I kind of agree yeah i agree with your whole premise except that he absolutely fails for every reason that he should fail which is this is fucking sharks with laser beams on their heads. And it oh, makes no and I don't sense. Disagree. I don't disagree. What I will say about that sequence, and there's a couple other Could ones. You, wait, time out. Before you move on, could you imagine being this guy's boss and like getting the report back? You're like, um, yeah, so the plane thing didn't work. He's like, what plane who, thing? Who was flying? I tried to, I, I just wanted him to kill the guy. Yeah, you're not yeah well, he, he got a crop duster. He, <laughs> yeah. Wait, he got in a plane? On him, yeah, and then he crashed him. He crashed into the only then, truck in 100 blew, miles. And then I blew up the tanker. Somehow <laughs> he, there was just a gas tanker he there. Yeah, he, the he only truck within 200 miles. He duct taped a Tommy gun onto it. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh but here's the thing. I don't care because I love the sequence in terms of how, and this is what I love about Hitchcock in the sequence. And then there's a better one later is he, he establishes tension in a really interesting way in it. And it's far-fetched. It's crazy, yeah. but I am willing to buy bat shit crazy. Sometimes I don't care. Right. I'm willing to watch, to watch those things. Sometimes if you can sell it to me, cause I'm willing to detach a little bit, uh, you know, a film like this, which I don't think takes itself 
overly seriously. Oh, no, there's some jokes in it that are. Well, that's what I mean. But that's why maybe I'm more willing, I think, tonally. um, Versus, let's say, Vertigo. I'm more willing for something like this because the Cary Grant character. And by the way, thank God he casted Cary Grant. Originally, it was supposed to be Jimmy Stewart. And I don't think this holds up at all. Oh, you got a plane. It's going to shoot me. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that holds up at all if Jimmy Stewart is in this film. No, he's, uh, which is what Jimmy Stewart wanted. He desperately first. wanted it, right? Like, yes, he was because during Vertigo, Hitchcock was telling him about this movie, and like Jimmy Stewart thought that he was telling him it because he wanted to be, him to be in it, but Hitchcock was really just like, "Listen to this idea I have." <laughs> which, by the way, Jimmy Stewart was in Rear Window, right? Yes, okay. yes. I uh, I will say this. Um, Eva St. Marie is fine as Eve Kendall. I don't Eva Marie Saint. I kept on doing the same thing. Yes. I I don't (laughs) I don't mind her performance, though I will say this. I wish, and he couldn't because she was already the princess, a princess at that point. I wish he could have got Grace Kelly. Yes. Because she and the two of them in To Catch a Thief, again, I've name dropped that a bunch. I I like North by Northwest as a film better than To Catch a Thief. But to catch a thief, if you've never seen it, is so she is so she was an amazing she was everything an actress Dude, should be. When when I saw her in Rear Window, I was like, God, she's fucking amazing. She, she does she everything. ages so well. Like not only just like she's gorgeous, but like she's such an amazing actress. It's she just is, incredible. That's a, it's well worth it. And the mom is obviously in it, and Cary Grant's in it, and it's great. And uh, Hitchcock had to talk. Basically, Cary Grant was like, I'm done with acting. And he he said, no, you got to be in this one. And and it's the most iconic image of him. And then we get to Mount Rushmore. <laughs> and this was a, you know, I know from a modern context, when you get to this, this is not a amazing action sequence by modern standards. And I think this is during this, this is exactly period, it was. Right. This is exactly my point of like where the movie starts to get a little long. I'm like, all right. You know, so they're climbing down the face of Mount Rushmore. Also, I don't like free climbing based on my uh, Mission Impossible 2 takes. (laughs) (laughs) Free climbing in dress shoes, by the way. Oh, and heels. Give me a break. Well, she at least takes off her heels. It's not it's not a Jurassic World type. No, no, no. One of them breaks. One of her heels breaks. That causes her to fall. Yeah. Anyway, like, but uh, that not just that scene in particular, like most of the action sequences in this movie, I'm like, we can cut to the chase a little bit. Come on guys. By by modern standards, they don't cut to this at all. Mm. I find this interesting in the watch of the inspirations that this clearly had on film though. This, This was clearly, I, when I look at action movies, people were watching this and it was inspiring them. And Keenan is probably the only person here who truly loves James Bond movies. But there's been a lot of discussion that, and I asked you this before because I have never read a James Bond novel and you have. Yeah. But this clearly, I mean, the James Bond novels were already out there, but this was almost like a, North by Northwest was almost like a proof of concept yes. that this type of film could work. In fact, there was discussions of having Cary Grant as the original James Bond even. I mean, he basically does play James Bond, and that is very much what Ian Fleming's books were. It, they were not these huge world domination. What do you mean? He plays James, James Bond. Bond. Explain that to me, because that's 
He is not yeah, a James Bond character at all to me. He's a oh, he's a I fish out of water here. Well, mm. I think some. I agree, and I think it's a weird like they remove the fish out of water, but I do feel like there are aspects of what they go to right. do with James Bond that come from this. Movie. Oh yeah, like tonally and things like yeah, that. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Yes. Yeah, the character is he like dresses like. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and just the way he acts, like he. Yes, James Bond is in on it from the beginning, but like just the way and he's Cary a trained killer. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which is why Cary Grant. I have to say this: I think Cary Grant, the character, is not. He's like he's he's not lovable by a modern standard. Oh, he's a fifty-five-year-old, sixteen-year-old, which makes I know, and right. and, and that's what James with Bond his mom. Was. Yeah, right. But I think he. He plays that, which is like if you've ever watched the show Mad Men and yeah, yeah. what was acceptable in that world. I think the casting of what he wanted, I think he delivers on that. Yeah. I think everybody delivers in many respects on their character. James Mason Absolutely. is brilliant and he did a lot. Yeah. Of and he's also truly amazing in Stanley Kubrick's Lolita, if you've never seen it, which is a weird, like he's amazing. And a young Martin Landau, that mm -hmm. performance, I think, you know, what they were doing based on the lines they were given, I, there's not much I can knock on the performances based on the time period no. and what he was asking. This is not method acting. This is what was wanted. And when, I think they when, all deliver on that. When he sits down with, uh, Eve or Ava, whatever her name is, at uh, dinner or in the train car. Like, that's the moment where I was like, this guy's gorgeous. Like, he's got this beautiful cleft chin. Yes. He's yeah. tan. His hair is just perfect. He's got bright blue eyes, I think. Like, he's a really fucking good looking dude. And See, like, you know what's. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Tim. Sorry. No, no, Sorry. I mean, I was just going to finish it off by saying like, and they finally like kind of put a like a bow on it when he uh, escapes his uh, hospital bed towards the end <laughs> and comes in through the yeah, other window girl. and the woman's like, That's you funny. know, hey, or stop it or whatever she yeah. says. And he's like, she's like, oh, wait, no, actually yeah. stop and hang out because <laughs> yeah, you're like, gorgeous. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Love it. That ahead, all Jim. makes sense to me. The, the part that like I. I sort of disagree with on the James Bond side is that he doesn't seem nearly clearly he's good looking enough. Right. But he is such a not cool. Like <laughs> he is so uh, needy and like weird and like not at all in the like aloof coolness of someone like a Don Draper. Like there, there is like a weird, I don't adolescence to him in not a not a like fun loving way but like in a stunted like like weird sexuality yeah, way I, my best years I were think, high school I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and well, Keenan froze yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I, but i i will agree <laughs> and that's sometimes i have problems even watching the the, the older films because i don't i don't know how yeah i think in the beginning God damn it, Keenan. What's your All internet right, Keenan, like over ahead. there? I don't know. I, I don't I have a clear picture. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, well, you're good. Go, go. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. What I was gonna say is I think in the beginning, 
And towards the end, he did have that cool suave type deal. Like when he's when he's like walking with his assistant, he's like, like, do this, do yes. that, call this person, call that. Yes. He's like calling the shots. He's in his element. It's when he's out of his element, he is kind of playing that like, I don't know what I'm doing. But then like after uh, he fakes his death, like when he's when he's going to to yeah, yeah. Uh, Van Damme's house, like that's when he's suave and cool again because he, he knows what he wants. He wants to go and save Eve. And that's when. That's the two parts of the film is like really James Bond like. They built that house based on like a a Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, I want to live in that house. (laughs) They couldn't afford to get Frank Lloyd Wright to do the design. He wanted like a tenth of the budget or something. But I also but I also love that scene. It just as like a case study of studying scenes, the way he builds the tension of showing the architecture or showing the room and how we like that's where just from a filmmaking perspective, you see him at work in this, like you see Martin Landau with the gun, but the gun has blank. Like that is really interesting to me in this movie. That goes back to my, my thumbs up and talking about how, what uh, Hitchcock is doing with like establishing shots and such. Once again, we talked about the one with the bus stop. Uh, This one where Cary Grant is coming up to this building And there's a long establishing shot for a few seconds of like the driveway, the building itself. You kind of see our bad guys milling about the the room that's lit up. And then when he's like crawling underneath the pylons, like you understand everything spatially and where it is in proximity. And like, it just all makes sense. And then it, you know, he cuts into these like close up longer shots, like, like even getting inside the building when he gives you a close up of the matches. Like those are just such impressive shots that is like the beginnings. I think of this is not a theater production. This is a fucking movie. Yeah. Well, he, and, and that's, I'm sorry. I I, I've been cursing a lot. I know you guys have been trying not to curse so much. That is so (laughs) not true. Uh, Katie has been trying not to. Oh, okay. She's not here. Um, but I agree with that. I think that's a, a like an extremely valid point that the way he does that to me is so intriguing, like his filmmaking craft, like the way films start to change. And I do think upon you know watching this a few other times and again, sometimes it, it's it's almost like Jurassic Park. I, I said this recently when I watched Jurassic Park for the show, I was more critical of it than I when I just watch it for like just pure enjoyment. And this is one of those ones where I just want to watch it for pure enjoyment. Mm. This like right. I get a kick out of this. I I can see why I can see why people who are filmmakers that made movies that we love moving forward were little kids sitting in that theater and were inspired to go make movies. Mm. I enjoy this movie more than I do the early James Bond movies too. And maybe Keenan will hate that, but like I watch this now. I don't hate. It. I understand why people but don't I, like James but, Bond. No, no. but I I, my point is, like, I watch this. I'm like, I kind of like this. I kind of like. I'm just a little bit more connected to this. This mm-hmm. is like fun. I get it. It's Hitchcock. I I know that he's done films that are more critical than this, but I can I can pop this on once a year, and I'm re- I'm down with it. Like, which by the cool way, stuff. not not until like. The last two or three years, I didn't realize Hitchcock's filmography is like insane. 
I, yes. I like, like for instance, you just so the main three movies we've been talking about between Vertigo, this movie, and Psycho that came yeah, out. They in, were just three in a row. <laughs> yeah, it was 58, 59, 60. Like this guy was just cranking out movies. I'm like, Jesus, how does he have all of these ideas? Now, mind you, there's a lot of overlap in them, but they're like somehow different enough to be just their own unique beings. Yeah. Uh, usually you guys do numbers. So Tim was kind enough to look up numbers on those three films for us, because this is just a, a brief window into Hitchcock's career, but he did these three movies, one, two, three, all three films that are considered, are, I believe all three are AFI top hundred, correct? I think they are too. Yeah. 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 Which I mean, I, I, I'd have to look, but I can't imagine that any other director has three in a row. That's, on well spielberg the, right even, we just talked about three e. in a row those, are those three oh, it might not be in a row you're right no because remember that awful 1941s right. in between right uh so give <laughs> us a give us a, a a vantage point here what are the the reviews and critical response of these three hitchcock movies back to back uh so in order vertigo north by northwest psycho i put them in that order because that's when they came out by the way if you can hear some thunder i'm having a thunderstorm <laughs> right now oh god <clears throat> Um, Rotten Tomatoes, 94, 99, 96. Uh, audience score, 93, 94, 95. Kind of negligible there. Yeah. Uh, IMDb, 8.3, 8 8.3, 8.5. Wow. <laughs> uh, Metascore, 100, 98, 97. So, like, they're all, like, right in line. Now, now also, like, I've found with these numbers on this old of movies it's tough. Like, I, I don't know, like they, they tend to always be just like super high because people just think they're renowned movies. I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, yeah. it's, it's fair. The, the yeah. reviews out, but I think it's, what's so impressive is I, there's obviously common. There's some commonality between those three films, but there's also a lot of difference. Mm -hmm. You could watch those three films on back to back, like three different nights and it's not watching the same movie again and again. And to have that kind of critical response to them is pretty crazy. Yeah, and like, you know, we, we, we didn't harp, well, we did harp a lot on the relationship with his mom. And then I feel like that gets fleshed out in a super psychotic way in Psycho. Right. And like I said, yeah. I, I've yet to see Vertigo, but, you know, I'm sure that has like a different aspect of like Hitchcock's like psychosis. <laughs> well, Tim, get on Peacock streaming after the episode. I'm going to watch the rest of Vertigo after as well. One thing I would recommend as well, if you get a chance, listen to Unspooled. Oh, yeah. Uh, the North by Northwest episode. We didn't even get into this, but our next Com Majors episode, and it's brought up actually completely unplanned in this way, is, you know, North by Northwest or The Big Lebowski. How similar are the plots behind the everyman getting put in a crazy situation? And which film would you rather watch? North by Northwest or The Big Lebowski? Which, which should be an FI? Ooh. By the way, I forgot to write that down. Our main character in North by Northwest does the pencil trick on the it notepad. Does, does. Which is totally, yeah. I talked, me and Katie talked about it. I said, that's what, he, I, that's, that's Jackie that's Treehorn the, right I there. Wonder, yeah, Jackie Treehorn. And also, I thought, like, because you guys have been doing a series recently of Mission Impossible beyond, you know, talking about the suit piece it, it's a huge influence on the the more recent ones absolutely um but even the first movie because de palma is such a fanatic of alfred hitchcock the whole story the the man on the run for a crime he didn't commit 
Yeah. You know, this is something Hitchcock had done before this movie, but I think it established it as a storyline that you could use for big blockbuster mm-hmm. movies, which is what this was. Uh, so we all loved. I would agree. Right. Everybody yes. should say go watch go North by it. Northwest yeah. if you have not. Absolutely. Seen it prior I, to that. I know we're going long. I just want to say one more thing um, like and this, I think, like puts a timestamp on it. Like, did you guys laugh at all of the hotel procedures where it would like, Oh, oh my it was God. crazy. Okay. Hey, can you tell me what room this person's staying I'm in? I'm going to do a murder. Room? Can you give can me the room number? Up this? <laughs> it's like, hey. uh, that, that was even part, part of why our main character had his mom yeah. come into the hotel. Yes, he was like, well, you look respectable. It was like, what did that have to do with anything? <laughs> Very different world. Back yeah. then. Uh, all right. It's time for five questions. You want answers? You want answers? I want the truth! What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? (laughs) What the fuck is the internet? Watch. Why? All right, it's time for five questions with Tim and Keenan, this very special double five questions. We've been talking about this a couple of times tonight. Uh, You guys are doing a rewatch of all the Mission Impossible Mm -hmm. films, which is... I've come up with yet another reason to watch the Mission Impossible movies. I just have to <laughs> continuously come up with reasons why I'm watching them yet again. And I can say, oh, I have to watch them so I can listen to Pop Battle. <laughs> um, are you guys thumbs up or thumbs down so far through your rewatching of the Mission Impossible series? Thumbs up. Thumbs up completely. Even as much as like we did shit on two a good amount, but it's still overall. so much fun. It's and so f- fun. Yeah. And so far, th- this experience has been really, really, really fun. Mm hmm. Uh, And Martin Landau was the original star of the Mission Impossible TV series, Mm -hmm. which is streaming on Amazon Prime. If you've never seen it, there's not a lot of episodes you actually want to watch. You want to talk about dated (laughs) stuff that is very dated by modern connection. Uh, All right, here we go. Question two Uh, for you guys, both Pennsylvania residents. Would you rather live in a state north of Pennsylvania or a state? west of pennsylvania actual state united states we're still living in the united states right you can go to canada i guess if you want keenan no canada (laughs) north canada that's my choice you want to go north of canada no 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 north canada oh you're going going to canada yeah words are hard (laughs) exactly i heard they they are going to start accepting uh us as refugees because our country is not safe anymore it's like yeah. the uh, Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, if you've ever watched it. They will accept you as a refugee. So much pop culture is like coming to fruition. It's really, really crazy. Um, <clears throat> I think I'm going to go west because like you can still go to like the Pacific Northwest and get like the change of seasons, but it's not as cold as it gets here and especially right. not as cold as north of here. So that's yeah. that's my answer. All right. Perfect. Uh, Fill in the blank question here. Uh, A president who I believe should be on Mount Rushmore is. It's tough. I know mine. FDR. FDR. Yeah. And also a fun fact. I can name all of the presidents in order. Yes, <laughs> me too. We don't Can need to do, do that now either. I'm not gonna. Okay. <laughs> I, I, would, I like that. I, I appreciate that. I was thinking like John Adams. John Adams. Okay. John Same Adams. Adams. <laughs> a one that little pre- guy who one, spoke to a me? A one-term president who was guys chased are out not, of office. You guys aren't <laughs> Hamilton fans? Well, I John just don't know. John Adams? 
Oh, it's a. I am a huge Hamilton fan, as we know. I had the idea. I meant the. I meant the musical, not the man. But my musical, of course, would have had yacht rock music instead of rap. But But yeah, the same the same humanities teacher that made us like memorize. We didn't start the fire. Yeah, Mr. Tatum. He also had us memorize the presidents. So anyway, there you go. I love it. Um. All right. And I, and I think, uh, can I just say that yeah. if it, if it's John Adams, that it should be uh, Paul Giamatti's face as John Adams uh, on Mount Rushmore. So you Rushmore. don't actually want John Adams. You want Paul, <laughs> yeah. you want Paul Giamatti's face. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting take. The people will be like, why is the guy from Sideways up there? Or like, yeah, yeah. why, why is, is the guy from Big there? Fat Liar up there? Yeah, yeah. what is going <laughs> <Big> on? <Fat laughs> He's on billions right now. You can name someone who's smoking aces. Yeah. But I think Big so Fat Liar is the best. Big Fat Liar. Where he's blue. It's a great choice. Uh, all right. Our, our favorite question. Um, this might be hard since you're the parent of our show and you're not supposed to pick a favorite child. Uh, but what is your favorite com majors episode? Or maybe you could just pick movie, as Keenan asked, that we've done on com majors. Uh, it's tough for me. Well, first off, my ego has to say Phantom Menace because I was on that episode. Uh, but in all actuality, it's to, I I really love the Pretty Woman episode because I so agree with so much of what you were saying. Like for so long, I've been like, why do people love this movie? Like it makes no sense. Like when you look at it um, and then Die Hard. So th- th- that's kind of my three. I can't do one because right. well, I freaking not only Die Hard was great, but the whole John McCain thing had me crying and almost caused a car accident. (laughs) I'm also going to do a group of episodes like Groundhog Day was fantastic. Uh, Die Hard for John McCain instead of John McClain. Right. Epic. Um, Lady Bird, maybe it's just a recency bias, but like I thought it was so fascinating how you guys really sympathized with uh, Lady Bird and especially how her mom treated her. Whereas I like leaving the movie theater, seeing that I thought lady bird was being a total brat. And I thought like her mom had every reason to be a piece of shit to her. I just, and and like, and you just got to listen to the episode because like, I think that was like the overall um, thesis statement of that movie is that you could come at it in so many perspectives and come away with something different. I wonder if that has to do with, um, you know, being a parent for a few years and starting mm-hmm. to realize that like a lot of the ways that your child acts are reflective of like your escalations and you and the stuff that you bring to that relationship. Well, and also not a parent over here. So right, that, right. That... Well, that's I, I knew that. I didn't, I mean, <laughs> but like, yeah, I wonder if that's like because I, I can see when my girls are being brats. And then if I immediately am self-reflective, like, how am I acting in that situation? I'm like, oh, they're mirroring either me or my my emotional escalation of this situation is making this person do the thing. And they're not evolved enough yet to real to like be in control of that. So it's like, yeah, it's it's tough to to put the blame on on Ladybird for me right now. Yeah. If I if my kids do anything wrong, I immediately acknowledge it's from me genetically. <laughs> and if they're doing anything not right, I'm like, that has nothing to That's do with it. That's all alien. <laughs> my kids are like, let's watch dad, let's not do any schoolwork. Let's put on Scooby Doo. 
and eat Doritos, I'm like, I'm in. And <laughs> when they're like, oh, I just when they jump out of a moving car, I've, I've, I've read I've read this uh, book today, Dad, and I've written this poem about it. I said that has nothing to do with me. But lastly, <laughs> my my answer is if looks could kill. That, oh, that yes. episode's fantastic. That episode uh, is great. Uh, that episode is so good. That movie uh, is so goddamn good. And I finally, our movie. deep thoughts question. Um, which commager's host would you want to do a standalone podcast with? And what would that show be about? We're spinning up. We're going to if we're going to do a spinoff of a spinoff. <laughs> what would it be? Keenan, you have an answer? Uh, well, I mean, host, I would have to say Katie because every single time that we're on, Katie's never on. <laughs> so yeah, she, she, just... she does not like you in particular. <laughs> <laughs> like for the amount that she loves Tim's voice, she clearly hates Keenan in a <laughs> disproportionate amount to like it cancels out the Tim's voice goodness. Yes. She actually had a legitimate reason for not being on when Tim was on last time. When Keenan's on, there's never a legitimate reason. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, Keenan, oh. I'm uh, washing my hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go to work. Uh, Katie, you teach from home now. I, I it's I'm very difficult. You're breaking up. <laughs> Bad internet, but Jim's on the Zoom. <laughs> so Wait, Keenan, what would the podcast be? Yeah, would the, I don't know. Do I don't know. Um, so you can't all right. Well, question. Th this is kind of a spoof, but I my guest will definitely be Jim. And we are an Andy McDowell podcast where we go through all of her movies minute by minute. So we're like the Star Wars minute for Andy McDowell. Oh, God. I, oh, nice. God. Nice. That would be pure. Torture. Oh, I, I really dislike her. <laughs> I know it's irrational. At this point, it's like Michael Scott's hate for Toby. But I have to keep it going. <laughs> why I, if i saw andy mcdowell right now i'd be like why are you the way that you I are i cannot <laughs> wait until we do hudson hawk on this show we're not oh, love hudson hawk. hudson hawk i love it too <laughs> um you must if you don't listen to the pop adult podcast uh, I listen to it. In fact, I listen to it so religiously that when Keenan doesn't release it on time on Tuesdays, <laughs> I, I send text messages because I have a very structured life as a parent, Keenan. I get, you know, I get to do my exercise at a certain time in the morning. And if my pop adult podcast is not there on a Tuesday morning, I will let it be known the, that I am not pleased with it not being up. The last time I was literally hitting publish yeah, and all well. of a sudden I get a text like, where's the episode? I'm like, I, I, literally I up. just wait two seconds i need the episode uh we love them they're the reason we we have a show they're fantastic so much great content recently thank you uh bonus episodes some crazy fun uh what i love sometimes is just delving in like you guys have been doing problem child recently which is something i hadn't watched in forever and you child's to, play Child's movie. Yeah, like, child, I was problems. like, what? what is that yeah. a movie though? Yes, John Ritter. Child is yeah, oh, John Ritter. I do love John Ritter <laughs> with like an adopted uh, son who causes yeah. hell. Yeah. But it's the comedy like, version uh, of Good Son. Yeah. Was it a spinoff of that? No. <laughs> no. Um, well, that's it. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being our last bonus episode. You guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having some us. more bonus episodes coming. Uh, we're very excited because soon we're going to be doing Justice League with you guys because that is. Oh, I have to watch that. that. Is, 
oh, have you, have you heard the latest that the Snyder Cut might not actually be a Snyder Cut movie, but a miniseries six hours long? Okay, that's because two hours was bad enough. They're going to add <laughs> another four to that. Film. I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it? You don't <laughs> have a choice. Right you don't have a choice. I'm going to go uh, watch Vertigo and then um, maybe listen to some Calico Cat. I, I fall asleep to the uh, cat soundtrack. It's Keenan's favorite movie. Oh, uh, Jellicle. Jellicle cat. Jellicle. Whatever the hell yeah. those things are awful. Thanks, guys. We yeah, thanks, you. guys. See you, everybody. Bye. Bye.